the wind had a way of whispering secrets in this part of Utah. As I stood at the edge of the town, memories flooded back, painting the landscape with shades of my teenage years. The vast expanse of the field, the distant mountains, and that peculiar cul-de-sac, they all seemed to beckon, urging me to remember. I was 25 now, but this town had a way of making you feel like you'd never left. The houses, the streets, the very air, it all felt familiar yet distant, like an old photograph you stumble upon in the attic. I walked towards my best friend's old house. It was strange to think of it as old, but time has a way of moving on, even if memories don't. The house was still there, standing tall and proud, but the cul-de-sac at the end of the driveway was what drew my attention. It was meant to be the beginning of a new housing expansion, a promise of growth for our small town. But that promise was never fulfilled. The cul-de-sac remained, a silent testament to plans gone awry. I remembered the countless times I'd sought refuge at that house. My parents and I, well, we didn't see eye to eye on many things. My friend's family became a second home, a place where I felt understood. We'd spend hours talking, playing games, and occasionally trying to solve the mystery of the eerie sounds that seemed to come from nowhere. The dragging. The gargling. It was as if the night itself was trying to communicate, using a language we couldn't comprehend. We'd muster the courage to investigate, flashlights in hand, hearts pounding. But every time, the source eluded us. The backyard, with its vast field stretching out like an endless canvas, remained silent and still, as if mocking our futile attempts. I walked to the edge of the cul-de-sac, the gravel crunching under my boots. The wind picked up, rustling the leaves and carrying with it the faintest hint of a familiar sound. A shiver ran down my spine. Was it just my imagination, or was the past reaching out? I shook off the feeling and turned back. The town had changed in many ways, but some things remained constant. The mysteries of youth, the bonds of friendship, and the shadows that lurked just beyond the edge of understanding. As I walked away, I couldn't help but glance back one last time. The cul-de-sac, the field, the memories, they were all intertwined, a tapestry of my past. And as the wind whispered once more, I couldn't help but wonder if some mysteries were meant to remain unsolved. The nights in that small Utah town had a quality of their own. They weren't just dark, they were dense filled with the weight of the mountains and the vastness of the fields. And in that weight, my best friend and I found both solace and suspense. His basement was our sanctuary. It was where we escaped from the world, where we shared stories, dreams, and the occasional beer we'd managed to sneak from his dad's stash. But more than anything, it was where we tried to decipher the sounds that seemed to come from the very earth itself. The first time we heard it, we'd brushed it off as some nocturnal animal. But as the nights went by and the sounds persisted, our curiosity grew. The dragging, like something heavy being pulled across the ground, and the gargling, a sound so out of place in the stillness of the night, became our shared obsession. One evening, after a particularly loud bout of the mysterious noises, we decided to investigate. Armed with flashlights and a sense of teenage invincibility, we ventured out into the field. The moon was a thin crescent, casting long shadows that danced with our torch beams. Every rustle of the grass, every chirp of a cricket seemed amplified. We walked for what felt like hours, but the source of the sound remained elusive. Frustrated and a bit unnerved, we returned to the basement, our minds racing with theories. 
Maybe it was a prank by some of the other kids in town, or perhaps an animal we hadn't considered. As the weeks turned into months, our investigations became more frequent. We set up makeshift traps, borrowed a sound recorder from the school's AV club, and even camped out in the field one night. But every attempt to uncover the mystery only deepened it. One night as we sat in the basement poring over our notes and recordings, my friend looked up, a serious expression on his face. You ever think, he began hesitating, that maybe we're not meant to find out? That some things are just beyond us? I pondered his words, the weight of them settling in. The sounds, as eerie and unsettling as they were, had become a part of our lives. They were a constant, a reminder of the unknown that lay just beyond our reach. We continued our late-night talks, our games, and our investigations. But as the days turned into years, and high school gave way to college, the sounds faded into the background, becoming just another part of the tapestry of our youth. Yet, even now, as I stood on the edge of adulthood, the echoes of those nights still lingered. The mysteries of the field, the bond I shared with my best friend, and the sounds that defied explanation, they were all a part of me, a part of the story of that small Utah town. And as I looked out into the vastness of the field, I couldn't help but wonder if the answers were still out there, waiting to be discovered. The sun had set, casting a deep orange hue over the horizon. The basement was alive with the hum of our old gaming console, the flicker of the TV screen reflecting in our eyes. My friend was moving away soon, and we intended to make the most of our remaining nights together. We should go for a drive, he suddenly suggested, pausing the game. You know, one of our music drives, for old time's sake. I nodded in agreement. Those drives with the windows down and music blaring were our way of feeling free, of escaping the confines of our small town, if only for a little while. We hopped into his truck, the familiar scent of worn leather and old pine air fresheners greeting us. As he turned the key, the engine roared to life, and we set off, the gravel crunching beneath the tires. The playlist was a mix of our favorite songs, each track a memory, a moment from our shared past. We sang along, our voices echoing in the vastness of the night. As we approached the cul-de-sac, he swung the truck around, intending to use it as a makeshift roundabout. He flicked on the high beams, and that's when we saw it. The world seemed to slow down, every detail etched into my memory. It was humanoid but grotesquely distorted. Its limbs were elongated, bending and folding in ways that defied anatomy. Its skin was pale, stretched taut over its skeletal frame, but it was the face that haunted me the most. The jaw hung open impossibly wide, reminiscent of a snake preparing to devour its prey. And its eyes, deep black pools, glistened in the harsh light of the high beams. For a moment, everything was still. The creature, the truck, even the music seemed to fade into the background. Then, with a speed that belied its size, the creature retreated, its movements eerily reminiscent of a video being rewound. In a matter of seconds, it had disappeared into the brush leaving behind only the lingering sense of dread. We sat in stunned silence, the weight of what we'd witnessed pressing down on us. My friend's knuckles were white on the steering wheel, his eyes wide with shock. Did you, did you see that? He finally whispered, his voice shaky. I nodded, unable to find the words. We both knew that what we'd seen was beyond explanation, beyond understanding. We drove back to his house in silence, the weight of the encounter heavy in the air. 
The basement, once our sanctuary, now felt like a prison. We locked the doors, drew the curtains, and sat, waiting for the dawn. The night stretched on, each hour feeling like an eternity. We didn't speak, the weight of the encounter too fresh, too raw. But as the first rays of sunlight began to filter through the curtains, a sense of relief washed over us. We'd faced the unknown, the inexplicable, and had come out the other side. But as I looked out into the field, the memories of the previous night still fresh in my mind, I couldn't help but wonder what other mysteries lay hidden in the shadows, waiting to be discovered. The basement, once a haven of laughter and camaraderie, now felt like a fortress under siege. The dim light from a single bulb cast long, wavering shadows on the walls, and every creak of the house above seemed amplified, a potential harbinger of the unknown. We sat across from each other, a loaded shotgun on the table between us. The weight of its cold steel was oddly comforting, a tangible defense against the intangible terror we'd witnessed. Neither of us spoke for a long while. The silence was thick, punctuated only by our shallow breaths and the distant howl of the wind outside. But the unspoken question hung in the air. What had we seen? Finally, my friend broke the silence. We can't tell anyone, he said, his voice low and firm. They'll think we're crazy. I nodded in agreement. In a town like ours, tales of the supernatural were met with skepticism at best, ridicule at worst. But deep down, I yearned for an explanation, a rational answer to the irrational events of the night. As the hours dragged on, our initial shock gave way to a grim determination. We took turns keeping watch, eyes glued to the small basement window that offered a limited view of the field beyond. Every rustle of leaves, every distant animal cry sent our hearts racing. At one point, in the dead of night, we heard it again, the dragging, the gargling. It was faint, almost drowned out by the wind, but unmistakably familiar. We exchanged a glance, the same thought crossing both our minds. It's back. But as we peered out into the darkness, straining our eyes for any sign of movement, we saw nothing. The field lay still, bathed in the pale glow of the moon. The night wore on, and with the approach of dawn, our fear began to wane. The events of the previous evening seemed almost dreamlike, a nightmarish figment of our overactive imaginations. As the first rays of sunlight streamed through the window, we let out a collective sigh of relief. The night, with all its terrors, was behind us. We packed up our makeshift arsenal and headed upstairs, the warmth of the morning sun a stark contrast to the cold dread of the night. But as we stepped out into the fresh air, a chilling realization hit me. The field, with its vast expanse and hidden corners, would always hold its secrets. And though we might never understand what we'd witnessed, the memory would remain, a shadowy reminder of the unknown that lay just beyond the edge of perception. We parted ways with a firm handshake, a silent acknowledgement of the bond forged in the crucible of fear. But as I walked away, I couldn't shake the feeling that we'd only scratched the surface, that the true mysteries of the field were yet to be revealed. Years had passed since that fateful night, but the town, with its silent fields and looming mountains, remained unchanged. Time seemed to stand still here, preserving memories and secrets with equal care. I found myself drawn back, an inexplicable pull that I couldn't resist. The field with its vast expanse and hidden corners beckoned. As I stood at its edge, the wind carried faint whispers, 
echoes of the past that sent shivers down my spine. I'd heard tales from the locals during my brief visits, whispers of other strange occurrences, of shadowy figures seen at the edge of vision, of eerie sounds that seemed to come from the very earth itself. The legend of the creature had grown, taking on a life of its own. But today, as I ventured deeper into the field, a sense of unease settled over me. The sun, though high in the sky, seemed to cast longer shadows, and the silence was almost oppressive. Every rustle of the grass, every chirp of a bird felt like a warning. I reached the spot where we'd first seen the creature, the memories flooding back, the terror, the disbelief, the lingering sense of dread. I knelt down touching the earth trying to ground myself in the reality of the moment. But as I stood up, a chilling sensation gripped me. I wasn't alone. Turning slowly, I came face to face with it. The creature, unchanged by the passage of time, stared back with those deep black eyes, its jaw hanging open in that all-too-familiar, grotesque manner. It was closer now, close enough for me to see the faint scars that marred its pale skin, to hear the soft, guttural sounds it made. Frozen in place, our gazes locked, a silent standoff that felt like an eternity. And then, with a speed that belied its size, it lunged. I stumbled back, my heart racing, my mind a whirl of panic and disbelief. The creature was relentless, its movements fluid and eerily graceful. Every step I took, it matched, its intent clear. As I neared the edge of the field, the town coming into view, a glimmer of hope surged within me, but just as quickly it was extinguished. The creature, with a final powerful leap, blocked my path, its towering form casting a shadow that seemed to swallow the light. I was trapped, the realization hitting me like a ton of bricks. The tales, the legends, the whispered warnings, they were all true. And as the creature closed in, its gaping maw widening, I understood the true nature of the field. It wasn't just a place of memories and secrets. It was a hunting ground. The last thing I heard, as darkness closed in, was the soft, haunting sound of dragging and gargling, an eerie lullaby that would forever echo in the annals of the town's history. The vast Montana sky stretched above me, a canvas of deep blues and fiery oranges as the sun began its descent. The memories of my childhood, of sitting around campfires with my father, were as vivid as the colors painting the horizon. Those nights, the world seemed so simple, so black and white, with the stars above and the stories my father told, weaving tales of wendigos and their deceptive tricks. I've always been a sleepwalker. It's like a shadow that's followed me since childhood, a part of me that I've never been able to shake off. Most nights, it's harmless. I'd find myself in the kitchen, or sometimes rearranging furniture in the living room. But as I grew older, the episodes became less frequent. Or so I thought. My father's voice, deep and resonant, would often fill the silence of those campfire nights. Remember, these woods have eyes, he'd say, his gaze fixed on the dancing flames. The Wendigo watches, waits, and plays tricks on those who don't respect the land. I'd listen half in awe and half in skepticism. As a child, the tales were thrilling, sending delightful shivers down my spine. But as I grew older, they became just that, tales. Stories to tell around a campfire, nothing more. Now living in this remote part of Montana with my husband, surrounded by dense woods and the whispers of the wind, those tales felt closer than ever. 
The vastness of the wilderness, the isolation, it could play tricks on the mind. But I was a rational woman. I believed in what I could see, touch, and feel. The Wendigo was a myth, a figment of my father's imagination, a story passed down through generations. Yet as I stood on the porch of our wooden cabin, the setting sun casting long shadows on the ground, I couldn't help but feel a twinge of unease. The woods seemed to stretch endlessly, a maze of trees and secrets. The silence was almost deafening, broken only by the distant call of a bird or the rustling of leaves. I shook off the feeling, reminding myself that I was no longer that wide-eyed child hanging on to my father's every word. I was an adult, living in the real world, where wendigos and spirits didn't exist. Heading inside, I began preparing dinner, the familiar routine grounding me. The aroma of stew filled the air, and I lost myself in the rhythm of chopping and stirring. My husband would be home soon, and we'd sit down for a quiet meal, just the two of us. But as the night deepened, and the shadows grew longer, I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched. Every creak of the floorboards, every gust of wind against the windows, sent my heart racing. I tried to dismiss it as just another sleepwalking episode, but deep down, I knew this was different. Climbing into bed, I pulled the covers tight around me, trying to find comfort in the familiar. But the memories of my father's tales, of the Wendigo and its tricks, lingered in the back of my mind, casting a shadow over the night. As sleep began to claim me, I couldn't help but wonder, were the tales just stories, or was there some truth to them? Only time would tell. The morning sun streamed through the gaps in the curtains, casting a warm glow over the room. I stretched, feeling the weight of the previous night's unease slowly lift. The cabin, nestled deep in the Montana woods, had been our home for years. It was our sanctuary, a place where we could escape the hustle and bustle of city life and find solace in nature's embrace. My husband, with his deep voice and unmistakable Queen's accent, was already up, the sound of him moving about in the kitchen reaching my ears. We both worked in construction, a demanding job that left us exhausted by day's end. But it was rewarding, and the sense of accomplishment we felt after completing a project was unparalleled. Our home was a testament to our hard work. Built from scratch, it was a labor of love, every beam and nail a reflection of our dedication. The dense woods surrounding it provided both beauty and isolation. It was a double-edged sword, while the serenity was unmatched, the remoteness also meant we were on our own if anything went wrong. I got out of bed and made my way to the kitchen, where my husband was pouring coffee. Morning, he greeted, his voice deep and gravelly, the unmistakable mark of his Sicilian heritage. Morning, I replied, taking a sip of the hot brew. Sleep well? He shrugged. Like a log. You? I hesitated, the memories of the previous night's unease flooding back. Not really. I admitted. Had a weird dream. He raised an eyebrow, waiting for me to continue. I recounted the events, the feeling of being watched, the shadows that seemed to move on their own. He listened intently, his expression unreadable. It's just the woods playing tricks on you, he said finally. You know how it is out here. The mind can play tricks when it's so quiet. I nodded, not entirely convinced. The woods were indeed a place of mystery, and more than once we'd come across signs of wildlife bears, coyotes, even cougars. But this felt different, more sinister. The day went on, the routine of work and home providing a welcome distraction. But as evening approached, 
and the shadows grew longer, the unease returned. The woods, so beautiful in the daylight, took on a more ominous tone as darkness fell. We sat on the porch, the soft glow of the lanterns casting a warm light. The sounds of the night surrounded us, the distant hoot of an owl, the rustling of leaves in the wind. It was peaceful, yet I couldn't shake off the feeling of being watched. My husband seemed to sense my unease. You okay? He asked, his voice filled with concern. I nodded, forcing a smile. Just tired, I replied, not wanting to worry him. He wrapped an arm around me, pulling me close. It's just the woods, he whispered. Nothing to be afraid of. I wanted to believe him, to find comfort in his words. But deep down, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something was lurking in the shadows, watching, waiting. The night was still, the only sound being the rhythmic chirping of crickets and the occasional distant howl of a coyote. The moon hung high, casting a silvery glow over the woods, turning the trees into ghostly silhouettes. I lay in bed, the soft hum of the fan providing a comforting backdrop to my thoughts. Just as I was drifting into a restless sleep, a voice pierced the silence. Babe, babe, come out here. I need a hand with the boys. I bolted upright, my heart pounding. It was my husband's voice, but it sounded distant, as if coming from the edge of the woods. Confusion clouded my mind. Why would he be outside at this hour? And why did his voice sound so... off? I swung my legs over the side of the bed, my feet touching the cold wooden floor. The voice called out again, more insistent this time. Babe, come outside, hurry! I moved towards the window, peering out into the darkness. The woods seemed to stretch endlessly, the trees swaying gently in the breeze. But there was no sign of my husband. A sense of unease settled over me. Something wasn't right. My husband's voice, while familiar, lacked the warmth and depth I was used to. It sounded hollow, as if echoing from a great distance. I took a deep breath, trying to calm my racing heart. Maybe he'd gone out to check on the dogs and needed my help. But then, why didn't he come inside and ask? Why was he calling from the woods? The voice beckoned again, more urgent this time. Babe, come out, now! I hesitated, torn between the desire to help and the growing sense of dread. Every instinct screamed at me to stay inside, to lock the doors and windows and wait for morning. But the voice, so familiar yet so strange, tugged at my heartstrings. I made my way to the front door, my hand resting on the doorknob. I took a deep breath, steeling myself for whatever lay beyond. But just as I was about to turn the knob, a soft touch on my shoulder made me jump. I turned, my eyes meeting my husband's. He looked as startled as I felt. What are you doing? He asked, his voice filled with concern. I blinked, trying to process what was happening. I... I heard you calling me, I stammered, from the woods. He frowned, his brow furrowing in confusion. I've been in bed this whole time, he replied. I didn't call you. A chill ran down my spine, the realization hitting me like a ton of bricks. If my husband was here, then who, or what, was calling me from the woods? We stood there, frozen in place, the weight of the situation pressing down on us. The voice, so eerily similar to my husband's, had been a lure, a trap, and I had almost walked right into it. We locked the doors and windows, drawing the curtains tight. The rest of the night was spent in tense silence, every creak and rustle sending our hearts racing. The voice didn't call out again, but its presence lingered, a dark shadow hanging over the cabin. As dawn broke, 
The events of the night seemed like a distant dream, but the sense of unease remained, a constant reminder that the woods held secrets, some best left undiscovered. The morning sun brought little comfort. The events of the previous night clung to me like a cold, wet blanket. Every shadow, every rustle of leaves seemed to whisper of the voice that had called out to me, a voice that wasn't my husband's but had mimicked him so perfectly. I sat on the edge of the bed, my fingers tracing the patterns on the quilt. My husband watched me from the doorway, his face etched with concern. You okay? He asked, his voice gentle. I nodded, though the truth was far from it. Just trying to make sense of it all, I replied, my voice barely above a whisper. He sat down beside me, wrapping an arm around my shoulders. It was probably just some animal, he said, trying to sound reassuring, or maybe the wind playing tricks. I wanted to believe him, to find solace in his words. But deep down, I knew it was more than just the wind or an animal. The voice had been too clear, too insistent, and the way it had mimicked my husband's voice was unnerving. The day passed in a blur, the routine of chores and work providing a welcome distraction. But as evening approached, the unease returned. The woods, which had always been a source of comfort and solace, now seemed menacing, filled with unseen dangers. We decided to stay indoors, locking the doors and windows tight. The soft glow of the lanterns cast flickering shadows on the walls, creating an almost eerie atmosphere. We sat on the couch, the silence between us heavy. I think we should leave, I said finally, breaking the silence. At least for a few days. Go stay with my sister in town. My husband looked at me, his eyes searching mine. You really think it's necessary? He asked. I nodded. I don't feel safe here, I admitted. Not after last night. He sighed, running a hand through his hair. Okay, he said finally. We'll leave in the morning. Relief washed over me, and I leaned into him, seeking comfort in his embrace. The night passed without incident, the soft hum of the fan lulling us to sleep. But just as I was drifting off, a soft whisper reached my ears. Babe, it called, the voice eerily familiar. Come outside. I froze, my heart pounding in my chest. The voice was back, and this time, it was inside the house. I squeezed my eyes shut, trying to block it out, but it persisted, growing louder, more insistent. Babe, come outside, it called again the voice now right beside me. I turned, my eyes meeting my husband's. He was wide awake, his face pale. You hear it too? I whispered. He nodded, his eyes filled with fear. It's inside, he said, his voice shaking. We clung to each other, the voice continuing to call out, its tone growing more urgent. The night seemed to stretch on forever, the voice a constant presence, taunting us, luring us. As dawn broke, the voice faded leaving us drained and exhausted. We packed our bags, leaving behind the home we had built with so much love and care. The woods, once a source of comfort, were now a place of fear and uncertainty. As we drove away, I couldn't help but glance back, half expecting to see a figure standing at the edge of the woods, watching us. But there was nothing, just the trees swaying gently in the breeze, their secrets hidden deep within. The morning light streamed through the windows of my sister's home, casting a warm golden hue over the room. The familiar surroundings, the sounds of the town waking up, should have been comforting, but the events of the past few nights weighed heavily on my mind, casting a shadow over everything. My husband sat across from me at the breakfast table, his face drawn and tired. 
Neither of us had slept well, the voice from the woods haunting our dreams. We spoke little, the weight of our shared experience hanging between us. My sister Clara bustled around the kitchen, her cheerful demeanor a stark contrast to our somber mood. You two look like you've seen a ghost, she remarked, placing a plate of pancakes in front of me. I forced a smile, pushing the food around my plate. Just a rough night, I replied, not meeting her gaze. She sat down, her eyes searching mine. What happened? She asked, her voice filled with concern. I hesitated, unsure of how to explain the events of the past few nights. But the weight of the secret was too much to bear, and the words came tumbling out. I recounted the voice in the woods, the way it had mimicked my husband's voice, the terror of realizing it was inside our home. Clara listened intently, her expression unreadable. When I finished, she was silent for a moment, her gaze distant. I've heard stories, she said finally, her voice low. Old tales from the elders about spirits in the woods, luring people away with familiar voices. I shivered, the implications of her words sinking in. You think it's one of those spirits? I asked, my voice barely above a whisper. She nodded slowly. It's possible, she replied. The woods are old, filled with secrets and memories. Some of them are best left undisturbed. My husband looked at me, his eyes filled with a mix of fear and determination. We need to find out what it is, he said, his voice firm. We can't let it drive us from our home. Clara looked thoughtful. There's an old man in town, a historian of sorts, she said. He might know more about the legends and stories of the woods. It's worth a shot. We agreed, grateful for any lead that might shed light on the mystery. The rest of the day was spent in research, poring over old books and records, trying to find any mention of the voice or the spirits of the woods. As evening approached, we had more questions than answers. The stories were varied, some speaking of benevolent spirits, others of malevolent entities seeking to harm. But one thing was clear. The woods held secrets, some of them dark and dangerous. We decided to return to our home, armed with knowledge and a determination to confront whatever lurked in the woods. The drive back was tense, the weight of the unknown pressing down on us. As we approached our home, the familiar sight of the cabin nestled among the trees brought a mix of relief and trepidation. The woods seemed to watch us, their secrets hidden deep within. We knew the battle was far from over, but we were determined to reclaim our home and uncover the truth behind the voice in the woods, whatever it took. The dense canopy of trees welcomed us back with an eerie silence. Our cabin, once a symbol of love and hard work, now stood as a monument to our shared terror. The setting sun cast elongated shadows, making the woods seem even more foreboding. We began our investigation around the property. Disturbed soil, broken branches, and other subtle signs hinted at a presence that had been watching, waiting. My husband, ever the protector, kept a firm grip on the shotgun he'd brought along. We weren't taking any chances. As night began to fall, we lit lanterns, their glow creating a small oasis of light in the encroaching darkness. We decided to set up a sort of vigil, hoping to confront whatever had been haunting our nights. Hours passed with only the sounds of the woods to keep us company. Just as I began to think we might have been mistaken, a familiar voice echoed through the trees. Babe, come out here. It was my husband's voice, but he was sitting right next to me. The blood drained from my face as the voice continued, growing more insistent, more desperate. Babe, please, I need you. My husband tightened his grip on the shotgun, 
his eyes scanning the tree line. Stay close, he whispered. The voice seemed to be coming from all directions now, a cacophony of desperate pleas. And then, just as suddenly as it had started, it stopped. The woods were silent once more. We waited, our breaths held, straining to hear any sign of movement. And then, from the edge of the woods, a figure emerged. It looked like my husband, but its movements were jerky, unnatural. Its eyes, devoid of any emotion, locked onto mine. Frozen in terror, I watched as it began to approach, each step deliberate, predatory. My husband raised the shotgun, aiming it at the creature. Stay back, he shouted, but it continued its advance, seemingly unfazed. As it drew closer, I could see its features more clearly. It was a grotesque imitation of my husband. Its skin stretched tight over its face, its mouth twisted into a grotesque grin. With a deafening blast, my husband fired the shotgun. The creature stumbled back, a dark liquid oozing from its wounds, but it didn't fall. Instead, it let out a guttural scream, a sound so chilling it haunts my nightmares to this day. More figures began to emerge from the woods, each one a twisted imitation of someone we knew. Friends, family, neighbors, they surrounded us, their voices joining in a haunting chorus. We were outnumbered, trapped. My husband grabbed my hand, pulling me towards the cabin. We barricaded ourselves inside, the sounds of the creatures growing louder, more frenzied. The night seemed endless, the creatures relentless in their assault. We held each other close, praying for dawn to come. As the first rays of sunlight began to pierce the darkness, the sounds outside began to fade. The creatures, it seemed, were bound to the night. We left our home that day, never to return. The woods, with their dark secrets, had claimed it. And while we found safety in the city, the memories of that night still haunt us. For in the stillness of the night, when the world is quiet, I can still hear their voices, calling out to me, beckoning me back to the woods. And I know that they are still out there, waiting. The sun hung high in the sky, casting a warm golden hue over everything. The woods around my house had always been a source of solace for me. The rustling leaves, the distant chirping of birds, and the gentle sway of the trees in the breeze always brought a sense of peace. Today was no different. I sat on the porch, my seven-month-old son nestled in my lap, his tiny fingers grasping at the air, captivated by the world around him. The house, a modest wooden structure, was a haven in the middle of nowhere. My only neighbors were an elderly couple down the hill, and another family that lived a few miles deeper into the woods. The isolation was both a blessing and a curse. It offered tranquility, but sometimes, especially during the nights, the silence was too profound, too unsettling. I had always felt a strange unease about the trailer home deeper in the woods. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something about its location, hidden among the dense trees, gave me the creeps. I shook off the thought, focusing on the present. My son's laughter pulled me back, his blue eyes wide with wonder as he looked at the world around him. Suddenly a scream pierced the air. It was sharp, desperate, and unmistakably that of a child. My heart raced and I instinctively pulled my son closer. The woods, which had always been a source of comfort, now seemed menacing. I strained my ears, hoping it was just my imagination playing tricks on me. But there it was again. A scream, echoing through the trees. My first thought was of the elderly couple's grandchildren. They often visited during the summer, 
playing in the woods and filling the air with their laughter. Maybe one of them had gotten hurt? I quickly stood up, my son clutched tightly to my chest, and made my way down the hill to their house. But as I approached, I realized something was off. Their car wasn't in the driveway, the curtains were drawn, and the house seemed eerily silent. A chill ran down my spine. If it wasn't their grandchildren, then who was it? And why were they screaming in the middle of the woods? I hurried back to my house, my mind racing with possibilities. Maybe it was a lost hiker? Or perhaps a child from the other family deeper in the woods? But that didn't make sense. They lived miles away, and the woods between our homes were dense and treacherous. I reached my porch and took a moment to catch my breath. The woods were silent again, the earlier screams now just a distant memory, but the sense of unease remained. I looked down at my son, his innocent eyes looking up at me, and I knew I had to find out what was going on. I took out my phone, ready to call the police, but then hesitated. What if it was just a prank, or maybe an animal making the noise? I didn't want to cause unnecessary panic. But as I debated with myself, another scream rang out, this time closer, more desperate. My heart pounded in my chest. Whatever was happening, I couldn't ignore it any longer. I needed to find out what was going on in the woods around my home, and I had a sinking feeling that my life was about to change forever. The woods had always been a sanctuary for me, but now every rustling leaf and creaking branch seemed like a harbinger of something sinister. The screams had rattled me, and I felt a gnawing anxiety, a sense that something was amiss. I decided to call my sister Jenna. She had always been my rock, the voice of reason when things got tough. As I dialed her number, I tried to steady my breathing, hoping she'd offer some logical explanation for what I'd heard. Hey, it's me, I began, my voice trembling slightly. Something strange is happening. I heard screams coming from the woods. It sounded like a child. There was a pause on the other end. Are you sure it wasn't just some animal? You know how sounds can get distorted in the woods? I was about to respond when a new sound reached my ears. Laughter. Not the innocent laughter of children playing, but something eerie, almost mocking. It echoed through the trees and I felt a shiver run down my spine. Jenna, I whispered, my voice barely audible. I can hear children laughing now. It's, it's not right. It sounds off. Another pause. Look, just go inside, lock the doors, maybe call the police. It could be some kids playing a prank, but I knew it wasn't a prank. The laughter grew louder, more distinct. It sounded like two or three children, their voices intertwining in a chilling chorus. And it was getting closer. I have to go, I told Jenna, ending the call. I quickly sent a video message to my best friend Lisa, trying to capture the eerie sounds. Do you hear this? I whispered into the phone. What the hell is going on? I waited, my heart pounding in my chest. The laughter continued. Now so close it felt like it was right at the edge of the woods just beyond the tree line. I strained my eyes, trying to see any sign of movement, but the dense foliage obscured my view. Lisa's response came a few minutes later. Her face was pale, her eyes wide with fear. I don't know what that is, but you need to get inside, now. I was about to heed her advice when something caught my eye. A large bird, a hawk, emerged from the trees, its wings cutting through the air with silent precision. It landed on a nearby oak its sharp eyes fixed on me. I felt a strange connection to the bird, as if it was trying to communicate something. 
It stared at me, unblinking, its presence somehow both comforting and ominous. I quickly recorded a video of the hawk, sending it to Lisa. Her response was almost immediate. My boyfriend says you need to go inside. He's indigenous, and he says that bird, it's a sign. A sign of what, I wondered, but I didn't have time to ponder. The hawk suddenly took flight, soaring over my house and disappearing from view. The woods fell silent once more. The laughter, the screams, all gone. But the sense of unease remained. I knew I wasn't alone. Something was out there, watching, waiting. And I had a feeling it was just the beginning. The house felt different as I stepped inside, like crossing a threshold into another world. The walls seemed to close in on me, and every shadow held a lurking menace. My son, sensing my unease, began to fuss, his small cries echoing in the silence. I tried to calm him, humming a lullaby my mother used to sing, but my mind was elsewhere, replaying the day's events, the screams, the laughter, the hawk's piercing gaze. It all felt like pieces of a puzzle I couldn't quite put together. I was startled from my thoughts by the ping of a message. It was Lisa. Hey, I talked to my boyfriend. He's really worried about you. He says that hawk. It's not just a bird. It's a messenger. I frowned, rereading the message. A messenger? What did that even mean? Before I could reply, another message came through. He wants to talk to you. Can I give him your number? I hesitated for a moment, then typed, sure. A few minutes later, my phone rang. I answered, and a deep voice greeted me. Hello, it's Tom, Lisa's boyfriend. I heard about what happened today. I think you might be in danger. I swallowed hard, my throat dry. What do you mean? Tom took a deep breath. Look, I don't want to scare you, but there are things in these woods, ancient things, that don't take kindly to intruders. That hawk you saw in our culture, it's seen as a messenger, a warning. I felt a chill run down my spine. A warning of what? Tom hesitated. There are beings, spirits, that roam these woods. They're drawn to certain places, certain people. They can mimic sounds, voices, even animals. They use these tricks to lure their victims. I thought back to the screams, the laughter. You think that's what I heard? Some spirit? Tom sighed. It's possible. Look, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but you need to be careful. These beings, they're not to be trifled with. I felt a mix of fear and skepticism. So, what do I do? Tom's voice was firm. Stay inside, especially after dark. Don't engage with any strange sounds or voices, and whatever you do, don't go into the woods. I nodded, even though he couldn't see me. Okay. Thank you, Tom. We said our goodbyes, and I sat in silence, trying to process everything. It all felt so surreal, like a bad dream. But the fear gnawing at my gut told me it was all too real. I looked down at my son, sleeping peacefully in my arms. I knew I had to protect him, no matter what. I locked all the doors and windows, drawing the curtains tight. The world outside seemed distant, like another realm. As night fell, the woods came alive with sounds. The wind whispered through the trees, and every so often I thought I heard faint laughter echoing in the distance. But I heeded Tom's advice, ignoring the sounds, focusing on keeping my sons safe. The night stretched on, each hour feeling like an eternity. But as dawn broke, the woods fell silent once more. I felt a sense of relief, thinking the worst was over. But deep down, I knew it was just the beginning. Days turned into nights, and the weight of the unknown pressed heavily on me. The house, once a sanctuary, now felt like a cage. 
Every creak of the floorboards, every gust of wind against the windows, sent my heart racing. I kept the curtains drawn, the doors locked, and my son close. One evening as the sun cast long shadows across the room, my phone buzzed to life. It was Lisa. Hey, can we talk? It's important. I called her immediately. Her voice, usually so steady, quivered with unease. I spoke to my boyfriend's father. He's heard stories, old stories, about the woods around your house. I leaned in, my grip on the phone tightening. What kind of stories? Lisa hesitated, choosing her words carefully. There have been sightings, whispers really, of skinwalkers on the nearby reservation. Multiple accounts. I felt a cold shiver run down my spine. Skinwalkers? Lisa took a deep breath. Shapeshifters? Beings that can take on the form of animals or even mimic human voices. They're said to be malevolent, drawn to certain energies, certain places. The pieces began to fall into place. The screams, the laughter, the hawk. You think that's what's been happening here? Lisa's voice was soft. It's a possibility. My boyfriend's father said they're attracted to those who acknowledge them, who show fear. They feed off it. I thought back to the day on the porch, the feeling of being watched. What do I do? Lisa's voice was firm. You need to be strong. Don't show fear. And whatever you do, don't whistle at night. It's said to attract them. I nodded, even though she couldn't see me. Okay, anything else? Lisa hesitated. There's one more thing. Never say their name out loud. They'll know, and they'll come for you. The weight of her words hung in the air. We said our goodbyes, and I sat in silence, the darkness outside pressing in. That night, as I lay in bed, every sound seemed amplified. The wind howled outside, and I thought I heard faint whispers, carried on the breeze. But I remembered Lisa's words and forced myself to stay calm. Hours passed, and just as I was about to drift off to sleep, I heard it, a soft, melodic whistle, echoing through the night. My heart raced, and I clutched the blankets tightly. I remembered the warning, not to whistle back, not to acknowledge it. The whistle grew louder, more insistent, as if beckoning me. But I held firm, focusing on my son's steady breathing beside me. As dawn broke, the whistle faded, replaced by the familiar sounds of the woods. I felt a sense of relief, thinking I had passed some sort of test. But as the days went on, the sense of unease remained. The woods, once a source of solace, now held a lurking menace. I knew I wasn't alone, that something was out there, watching, waiting, and I had a feeling the worst was yet to come. Days turned into weeks, and the oppressive weight of the unknown continued to bear down on me. The once comforting isolation of the woods now felt like a prison. Every rustle of leaves, every distant animal call, seemed to carry a hidden message, a veiled threat. I took precautions, heeding the warnings given to me. The nights were the hardest. The world outside seemed to come alive, filled with whispers and shadows that danced just beyond my vision. I kept my son close, his innocent presence a beacon of hope in the encroaching darkness. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, casting the world in a deep blue hue, I received a call from Lisa. Her voice, usually so calm and reassuring, was tinged with panic. You need to leave. Now. I felt a knot form in my stomach. What happened? Lisa took a deep breath. My boyfriend's father. He had a vision. He saw you, your house, surrounded by them. They were closing in, drawn to something. I thought of the whistle, the laughter, the hawk. What do they want? 
Lisa's voice was barely above a whisper. You. They want you. I felt a cold shiver run down my spine. The thought of leaving, of abandoning my home, was terrifying. But the idea of staying, of facing whatever lurked in the woods, was even worse. I began to pack, grabbing essentials, keeping my son close. Every second felt like an eternity, the weight of the unknown pressing in from all sides. As I loaded the car, I took one last look at the house, the woods, the world I had once called home. The wind rustled the leaves, and for a moment I thought I heard a soft, melodic whistle echoing in the distance. I shook off the feeling, climbing into the car and drove away, the woods receding in the rearview mirror. But as the miles stretched on, a sense of unease settled over me. I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched, followed. I glanced in the rearview mirror and froze. There in the distance, a figure stood at the edge of the road, its form shifting and changing, never quite settling. It seemed to be both man and beast, its eyes glowing with an unnatural light. I pressed the gas pedal, the car lurching forward, but no matter how fast I went, the figure remained, always just out of reach, always watching. The road ahead began to twist and turn, the world outside becoming a blur of shadows and light. I felt a growing sense of dread, a realization that I was no longer in control. Suddenly the car came to a screeching halt, the world outside plunging into darkness. I tried to turn the ignition, but the engine remained silent. I felt a presence, something outside drawing closer. I clutched my son, his small cries echoing in the silence. The car's windows began to fog, and as I wiped them away, I saw it. Faces, dozens of them, pressed against the glass, their eyes glowing with malevolent intent. I screamed, the sound echoing in the darkness, as the figures closed in, their whispers growing louder, more insistent. And then, everything went black. The old family home in upstate New York had always been a place of comfort for me. Nestled among the dense woods and rolling hills, it was a sanctuary from the chaos of the world. But like any sanctuary, it had its secrets, its whispers. Growing up, I'd often felt the weight of those whispers, the sense that the house held stories it wasn't ready to tell. That night, the air was thick with the scent of pine and the distant hum of cicadas. The moonlight streamed through the gaps in the curtains, casting a pale glow over my room. Hudson, our family cat, was my sole companion. A sleek gray tabby with a penchant for mischief, he'd often find the most unusual spots to perch on. Tonight, it was the window ledge by my bed. I lay there, lost in the pages of a novel, the world outside forgotten. The rhythmic sound of Hudson's purring was a soothing backdrop, lulling me into a state of near sleep. But that tranquility was shattered when a sudden hiss pierced the silence. Startled, I looked up to see Hudson arched back, every hair on his body standing on end. His gaze was fixed intently on something outside the window. I followed his line of sight but saw nothing. The woods beyond were a dark, impenetrable wall. Hudson, I whispered, reaching out to calm him, but he was beyond reach, lost in a primal fear I'd never seen in him before. His hisses turned to screeches, a desperate cry that sent chills down my spine. I sat up, heart pounding, trying to make sense of the situation. The window, usually shielded by a screen, was open to the elements due to the AC unit we'd installed earlier that summer. 
A rush of cold realization hit me. Hudson was in danger. The stillness of the night was deceptive. Beneath its calm surface, I felt the stirrings of something old, something that had been waiting for just the right moment to emerge. The house, with all its secrets, seemed to be holding its breath, waiting for what would come next. And as I sat there on the edge of my bed, the weight of those untold stories pressed down on me. The whispers grew louder, urging me to act, to save Hudson from whatever lurked outside. But as I would soon discover, some stories are better left untold. The urgency of the situation gripped me. Hudson's cries were not just of fear, but of warning. I'd spent countless hours in these woods, hunting, hiking, and exploring, but never had I felt such a palpable sense of dread. The night, once a comforting blanket, now felt like a shroud, hiding threats in its folds. I threw off my covers, my feet hitting the cold wooden floor. The room felt smaller, the walls closing in, echoing Hudson's distress. I rushed to the window trying to spot any movement, any sign of what had spooked him, but the darkness was impenetrable, the woods beyond a silent witness. Hudson, I called out, my voice barely above a whisper, fearing what might answer back, but the only response was his continued screeching, each cry more desperate than the last, and then, with a heart-stopping thud, he was gone. The window ledge, once his perch, was now empty. Panic surged through me. Hudson wasn't just a pet, he was family. Memories of him as a kitten, playing in the yard, chasing after leaves, and curling up next to me on cold nights flooded my mind. The thought of him out there, alone and vulnerable, was unbearable. I needed help. Racing down the hallway, I banged on my younger brother's door. Jake! I shouted, my voice hoarse with urgency. Hudson's out there! We need to find him! Jake, always the calmer of the two of us, was on his feet in an instant. Let's go! he said, grabbing a flashlight from his bedside table. We didn't speak as we made our way downstairs, the weight of the situation pressing down on us. The front door loomed ahead, a barrier between the safety of our home and the unknown dangers outside. Taking a deep breath, I pushed it open, the cool night air rushing in. The woods, once a place of adventure and discovery, now felt alien, their secrets more menacing than ever. We moved cautiously, the beam of Jake's flashlight cutting through the darkness revealing glimpses of the world beyond. Every rustle, every shadow seemed to come alive, taking on a life of its own. Hudson, I called out again, my voice echoing through the trees, but the woods remained silent, their secrets locked away. Jake and I split up, covering more ground. The minutes felt like hours, each second stretching out, amplifying the weight of our fear. The world around us seemed to blur, the line between reality and imagination growing thin. And then, from the distance came a sound. Not Hudson's cry, but something else. A low growl, primal and menacing. Jake and I locked eyes, the same thought flashing through our minds. We weren't alone. The woods, with their age-old secrets, had awoken. And as we stood there on the edge of the unknown, we realized that some stories, once begun, demand to be told. The woods had always been a place of solace for me, a refuge from the complexities of life, but tonight, they felt different. The trees, usually silent guardians, seemed to whisper warnings, their branches swaying with a restless energy. As I approached the side of the house, the beam of my flashlight danced over the ground, revealing patches of damp earth and fallen leaves. The night was thick with anticipation, every sound amplified, every shadow deepened. 
I stopped short as the light caught something unexpected. Not Hudson, but a figure, impossibly tall and eerily still. It clung to the side of the house, its long limbs reaching for the open window. My heart raced, every instinct screaming at me to flee. But I was rooted to the spot, unable to tear my gaze away. The creature was like nothing I'd ever seen. Its skin was a mottled gray, rough and textured like the bark of a tree. But it was the eyes that held me captive. Deep glowing red they bore into me, a mix of curiosity and malice. Time seemed to slow as we locked eyes. The world around us faded, leaving just the two of us in this silent standoff. I could feel its gaze probing, searching, trying to decipher the enigma that was man. Then, with a fluidity that belied its size, the creature released its grip on the house and began to retreat. But it didn't scuttle away like a frightened animal. Instead it rose, standing tall on its hind legs, its posture eerily human. As it moved, I caught a glimpse of what looked like horns or antlers, adding to its otherworldly appearance. The creature paused, giving me one last lingering look, its red eyes burning with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. And then, with a grace that seemed impossible for something of its size, it turned and disappeared into the woods. I stood there stunned, trying to process what I'd just witnessed. The woods, with their age-old mysteries, had revealed one of their deepest secrets, and I was left grappling with the implications. Jake's voice broke through my daze. What did you see? He asked, his voice trembling with a mix of fear and excitement. I struggled to find the words, my mind racing. I don't know, I finally managed to say, but it wasn't human. Jake looked at me, his eyes wide. We need to find Hudson and get back inside, he said, his voice firm. I nodded, the weight of the situation settling in. The woods had always been a place of wonder for me, but tonight, they'd shown me a side I'd never imagined. And as Jake and I resumed our search for Hudson, I couldn't shake the feeling that the creature, with its deep red eyes, was still watching, waiting for its next move. The field beyond our house had always been a place of simplicity, a vast expanse of open land. It stood in stark contrast to the dense woods that surrounded it. But tonight, as Jake and I ventured into it, the field felt as foreign and treacherous as the deepest part of the forest. The tall grass whispered secrets as we moved each step sending ripples through the sea of green. The moon, now high in the sky, cast a silvery glow, turning the field into a shimmering tapestry of light and shadow. We need to stick together, Jake murmured, his voice barely audible over the rustling grass. I nodded, the weight of our earlier encounter pressing down on me. The creature with its haunting red eyes had changed everything. The world I thought I knew had shifted, revealing hidden depths and dangers. We moved cautiously, the beam of Jake's flashlight cutting a path through the darkness. Every so often we'd stop and call out for Hudson, our voices echoing back, unanswered. The silence was oppressive, amplifying our growing sense of unease. And then, from the distance, came a sound. Not the cry of Hudson, but something else. A low, mournful howl that seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere at once. Jake and I exchanged a glance the same thought flashing through our minds. We weren't alone. The howl grew louder, more insistent, sending a chill down my spine. It was a sound that spoke of ancient times, of primal fears and age-old battles. The field, once a place of peace, had become a battleground. We need to find Hudson and get out of here, Jake said, his voice tight with fear. I nodded, 
my instinct screaming at me to run, to seek the safety of our home. But we couldn't leave without Hudson. We pressed on, the howl growing fainter, replaced by another sound. A rustling, a movement in the grass, drawing closer. I strained my eyes, trying to make out what it was, but the darkness was impenetrable. And then, with a suddenness that took my breath away, a figure emerged from the shadows. Not the creature from before, but something else. A man, or what looked like a man, his features obscured by the darkness. He stood still, watching us, his presence as unsettling as the creature's. The old family home in upstate New York had always been a place of comfort for me. Nestled among the dense woods and rolling hills, it was a sanctuary from the chaos of the world. But like any sanctuary, it had its secrets, its whispers. Growing up, I'd often felt the weight of those whispers, the sense that the house held stories it wasn't ready to tell. That night, the air was thick with the scent of pine and the distant hum of cicadas. The moonlight streamed through the gaps in the curtains, casting a pale glow over my room. Hudson, our family cat, was my sole companion. A sleek gray tabby with a penchant for mischief. He'd often find the most unusual spots to perch on. Tonight, it was the window ledge by my bed. I lay there, lost in the pages of a novel, the world outside forgotten. The rhythmic sound of Hudson's purring was a soothing backdrop, lulling me into a state of near sleep. But that tranquility was shattered when a sudden hiss pierced the silence. Startled, I looked up to see Hudson arched back, every hair on his body standing on end. His gaze was fixed intently on something outside the window. I followed his line of sight, but saw nothing. The woods beyond were a dark, impenetrable wall. Hudson? I whispered, reaching out to calm him. But he was beyond reach, lost in a primal fear I'd never seen in him before. His hisses turned to screeches, a desperate cry that sent chills down my spine. I sat up, heart pounding, trying to make sense of the situation. The window, usually shielded by a screen, was open to the elements due to the AC unit we'd installed earlier that summer. A rush of cold realization hit me. Hudson was in danger. The stillness of the night was deceptive. Beneath its calm surface I felt the stirrings of something old, something that had been waiting for just the right moment to emerge. The house, with all its secrets, seemed to be holding its breath, waiting for what would come next. And as I sat there on the edge of my bed, the weight of those untold stories pressed down on me. The whispers grew louder, urging me to act, to save Hudson from whatever lurked outside. But as I would soon discover, some stories are better left untold. The urgency of the situation gripped me. Hudson's cries were not just of fear but of warning. I'd spent countless hours in these woods, hunting, hiking, and exploring, but never had I felt such a palpable sense of dread. The night, once a comforting blanket, now felt like a shroud, hiding threats in its folds. I threw off my covers, my feet hitting the cold wooden floor. The room felt smaller, the walls closing in, echoing Hudson's distress. I rushed to the window trying to spot any movement, any sign of what had spooked him. But the darkness was impenetrable, the woods beyond a silent witness. Hudson, I called out, my voice barely above a whisper, fearing what might answer back. But the only response was his continued screeching, each cry more desperate than the last. And then, with a heart-stopping thud, he was gone. The window ledge, once his perch, was now empty. Panic surged through me. Hudson wasn't just a pet, 
He was family. Memories of him as a kitten, playing in the yard, chasing after leaves and curling up next to me on cold nights flooded my mind. The thought of him out there, alone and vulnerable, was unbearable. I needed help. Racing down the hallway, I banged on my younger brother's door. Jake! I shouted, my voice hoarse with urgency. Hudson's out there, we need to find him! Jake, always the calmer of the two of us, was on his feet in an instant. Let's go, he said, grabbing a flashlight from his bedside table. We didn't speak as we made our way downstairs, the weight of the situation pressing down on us. The front door loomed ahead, a barrier between the safety of our home and the unknown dangers outside. Taking a deep breath, I pushed it open, the cool night air rushing in. The woods, once a place of adventure and discovery, now felt alien, their secrets more menacing than ever. We moved cautiously, the beam of Jake's flashlight cutting through the darkness, revealing glimpses of the world beyond. Every rustle, every shadow seemed to come alive, taking on a life of its own. Hudson, I called out again, my voice echoing through the trees. But the woods remained silent, their secrets locked away. Jake and I split up, covering more ground. The minutes felt like hours, each second stretching out, amplifying the weight of our fear. The world around us seemed to blur, the line between reality and imagination growing thin. And then from the distance came a sound. Not Hudson's cry, but something else. A low growl, primal and menacing. Jake and I locked eyes, the same thought flashing through our minds. We weren't alone. The woods, with their age-old secrets, had awoken. And as we stood there on the edge of the unknown, we realized that some stories once begun demand to be told. The woods had always been a place of solace for me, a refuge from the complexities of life. But tonight, they felt different. The trees, usually silent guardians, seemed to whisper warnings, their branches swaying with a restless energy. As I approached the side of the house, the beam of my flashlight danced over the ground, revealing patches of damp earth and fallen leaves. The night was thick with anticipation, every sound amplified, every shadow deepened. I stopped short as the light caught something unexpected. Not Hudson, but a figure, impossibly tall and eerily still. It clung to the side of the house, its long limbs reaching for the open window. My heart raced, every instinct screaming at me to flee but I was rooted to the spot, unable to tear my gaze away. The creature was like nothing I'd ever seen. Its skin was a mottled gray, rough and textured like the bark of a tree, but it was the eyes that held me captive. Deep, glowing red they bore into me, a mix of curiosity and malice. Time seemed to slow as we locked eyes. The world around us faded, leaving just the two of us in this silent standoff. I could feel its gaze probing, searching, trying to decipher the enigma that was man. Then, with a fluidity that belied its size, the creature released its grip on the house and began to retreat. But it didn't scuttle away like a frightened animal. Instead, it rose, standing tall on its hind legs, its posture eerily human. As it moved, I caught a glimpse of what looked like horns or antlers, adding to its otherworldly appearance. The creature paused, giving me one last lingering look, its red eyes burning with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. And then, with a grace that seemed impossible for something of its size, it turned and disappeared into the woods. I stood there, stunned, trying to process what I'd just witnessed. The woods, with their age-old mysteries, had revealed one of their deepest secrets, and I was left grappling with the implications. Jake's voice broke through my daze. 
What did you see? He asked, his voice trembling with a mix of fear and excitement. I struggled to find the words, my mind racing. I don't know, I finally managed to say. But it wasn't human. Jake looked at me, his eyes wide. We need to find Hudson and get back inside, he said, his voice firm. I nodded, the weight of the situation settling in. The woods had always been a place of wonder for me, but tonight, they'd shown me a side I'd never imagined. And as Jake and I resumed our search for Hudson, I couldn't shake the feeling that the creature with its deep red eyes was still watching, waiting for its next move. The field beyond our house had always been a place of simplicity. A vast expanse of open land, it stood in stark contrast to the dense woods that surrounded it. But tonight, as Jake and I ventured into it, the field felt as foreign and treacherous as the deepest part of the forest. The tall grass whispered secrets as we moved, each step sending ripples through the sea of green. The moon, now high in the sky, cast a silvery glow, turning the field into a shimmering tapestry of light and shadow. We need to stick together, Jake murmured, his voice barely audible over the rustling grass. I nodded, the weight of our earlier encounter pressing down on me. The creature, with its haunting red eyes, had changed everything. The world I thought I knew had shifted, revealing hidden depths and dangers. We moved cautiously, the beam of Jake's flashlight cutting a path through the darkness. Every so often we'd stop and call out for Hudson, our voices echoing back, unanswered. The silence was oppressive, amplifying our growing sense of unease. And then, from the distance, came a sound. Not the cry of Hudson, but something else. A low, mournful howl that seemed to come from everywhere and nowhere at once. Jake and I exchanged a glance, the same thought flashing through our minds. We weren't alone. The howl grew louder, more insistent, sending a chill down my spine. It was a sound that spoke of ancient times, of primal fears and age-old battles. The field, once a place of peace, had become a battleground. We need to find Hudson and get out of here, Jake said, his voice tight with fear. I nodded, my instincts screaming at me to run, to seek the safety of our home. But we couldn't leave without Hudson. We pressed on, the howl growing fainter, replaced by another sound. A rustling, a movement in the grass, drawing closer. I strained my eyes, trying to make out what it was, but the darkness was impenetrable. And then, with a suddenness that took my breath away, a figure emerged from the shadows. Not the creature from before, but something else. A man, or what looked like a man, his features obscured by the darkness. He stood still, watching us, his presence as unsettling as the creature's. Jake and I froze, unsure of what to do. The man, if he was a man, made no move, his intentions unclear. The tension was palpable, the air thick with anticipation. And then, without a word, the figure turned and disappeared into the night, leaving us shaken and disoriented. The field, with its hidden dangers, had shown us another side, one that was as mysterious and unsettling as the woods. We need to go, Jake said, his voice trembling. I nodded, the weight of the night's events pressing down on me. The world had shifted once again, revealing new mysteries and challenges, and as we made our way back to the safety of our home, I couldn't help but wonder what other secrets the land held, waiting to be discovered. The house stood as a beacon in the night, its warm lights a stark contrast to the cold mysteries we'd just encountered. As we approached, the familiar structure seemed almost foreign, as if the events of the night had altered our perception of everything we held dear. Jake and I moved quickly, our footsteps echoing on the wooden porch. 
The need to find Hudson, to ensure he was safe, drove us forward, pushing aside the fear and uncertainty that threatened to overwhelm us. As we rounded the corner, a familiar silhouette caught my eye. Hudson, with his sleek gray fur and piercing green eyes, sat by the back door, his posture tense. Relief washed over me, followed quickly by concern. The usually independent cat looked shaken, his tail bushy and his body trembling. I knelt down, reaching out to him. Hudson, I whispered, my voice thick with emotion. The cat hesitated for a moment, then slowly moved towards me, his purr a soft rumble of comfort. Jake joined us, his face a mix of relief and concern. He's been through a lot, he said, his voice soft. We all have. We made our way inside, the warmth of the house enveloping us. Hudson settled on my lap, his purring a constant reminder of the bond we shared. But as the minutes ticked by, the weight of the night's events pressed down on us. What was that creature? Jake asked, breaking the silence. And who was that man in the field? I shook my head, the questions echoing my own thoughts. I don't know, I replied, my voice heavy. But whatever they were, they're a part of this land, a part of its mysteries. Jake nodded, his gaze distant. We've lived here our whole lives, and yet there's so much we don't know. The night wore on, the house a sanctuary from the unknown dangers outside. Hudson, sensing our unease, stayed close, his presence a source of comfort. As dawn approached, the weight of the night's events began to lift, replaced by a sense of wonder and curiosity. The land, with its age-old secrets, had shown us a glimpse of its mysteries, and I couldn't help but feel a mix of fear and awe. We need to find out more, Jake said, determination in his voice. We need to understand what's happening here. I nodded, the same thought echoing in my mind. The land had revealed some of its secrets, but there was so much more to discover, so much more to understand. And as the first rays of sunlight broke through the darkness, I knew that our journey was just beginning. The land, with its hidden depths and ancient mysteries, was calling to us, urging us to delve deeper, to uncover its truths. The days that followed were a blur of activity. Jake and I delved into the history of our land, seeking answers in dusty old books and whispered local legends. But every lead seemed to circle back to vague tales of ancient spirits and guardians of the forest, nothing concrete enough to explain the chilling events we'd experienced. Nights were the hardest. The once comforting darkness now held a sense of foreboding. Every rustle outside, every creak of the old house, sent my heart racing. Hudson, too, seemed changed. He no longer ventured near the windows, preferring the safety of shadowed corners. One evening, as the sun dipped below the horizon, Casting the world in a deep blue hue, Jake and I sat on the porch, a silence between us. The weight of the unknown pressed heavily, the mysteries of our land remaining just out of reach. Suddenly, a cold wind swept through, carrying with it a familiar, mournful howl. The sound echoed across the fields, a haunting reminder of that fateful night. Jake and I exchanged a glance, the same thought flashing through our minds. It was back. Before we could react, a shadow emerged from the tree line, moving with a fluid grace. The creature, with its deep red eyes and imposing stature, stood at the edge of the field, watching us. But it wasn't alone. Beside it, the figure from the field, the man, or what looked like a man, stood, their intentions unclear. The world seemed to hold its breath, the tension palpable. And then, with a suddenness that sent chills down my spine, the man raised his arm, 
pointing directly at our house. The creature, responding to some unspoken command, began to move, its steps deliberate and purposeful. Jake and I rose, our instincts screaming at us to flee, to seek the safety of our home. But as we turned, the front door creaked open, revealing the darkened interior. From the shadows, a pair of glowing red eyes emerged, identical to the creature's. We were surrounded. The realization hit me like a ton of bricks. The land, with its age-old secrets, had claimed us. We were a part of its mysteries now, forever bound to its ancient rhythms. The last thing I remember was the creature's gaze. Those deep red eyes burning with an intensity that seemed to pierce my very soul. The world faded, replaced by a darkness so complete, so absolute, that it felt as if I'd been swallowed whole. And as the darkness consumed me, one thought echoed through my mind. The land, with its hidden depths and ancient guardians, had awoken, and it was hungry.